0: Well, guys, at the church office right now, we're doing Secret Santa, where we exchange gifts uh, in secret, and we draw names and all of those kinds of things. And our, our first gift came this last Monday, and it had a certain criteria around it. So for gift number one, we were supposed to give them something we love that they believe that, that we believe they would love also something you love you give to them hoping that they also will love that so what I got from my secret Santa was a pepper cracker and y'all I love cracked pepper and so it's awesome it like works like this so it's exciting it's fun I can't wait to crack pepper with my new pepper cracker but what I gave and yes I'm about to expose to Greg that I am his secret Santa uh, but what I gave Greg secretly was some of my favorites IBC root beers anybody love IBC it is the best brand of root beer. And then Nerds Gummy Clusters. Now, what you need to know about Nerds Gummy Clusters is I do not like non-chocolate candies. I think Skittles are gross, and I think Starbursts are worse. But these things are amazing because what it is is it's like the best gummy bear in the world surrounded by Nerds. And there's something in there that's just kind of sweet and soury at the same time. It's just awesome. In fact, I want to share them this morning. Eli, you want one? All right. Who else? Where are you at? All right. Come on. Back here. Yes, I see you. No staff. Anybody else? Where are you at? Go Mary. All right, somebody else. There you go. Come on, Caleb. All right, I'm not going to throw the IBCs, but if you're brave enough to come up and get them, they're yours. All right? So here's the deal. Come on, somebody come get them. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. It's a race. Y'all split them, two and two. Two and two, and give that guy one two. All right. So here's the deal, y'all. It is so fun. Like this, that is Christmas time, isn't it? (laughs) They left the box for me. It is Christmas time. What's so fun about Christmas time is it's an awesome time to give. It's an awesome time to get, but it's especially fun to share something that you love, right? Isn't it fun to share the things that we love? And that's really what this Christmas series is about. It's called Joy to the World. And y'all, even just the music of that bumper just a few minutes ago, I think, is peaceful, right? And it brings a peace. To our hearts. And Joseph kicked this Joy to the World series off last week, and we're just working line by line through the meaning of the lyrics. And what Joseph said last week is uh, the, the, the Lord has come. And it was this message, this simple message about the coming of Christ and this, this reality that Jesus came, and he came with, with great purpose. He came in order to connect our story with God's story, and we begin to understand that at the intersection of our story and God's story, man, there is life change. And that's Jesus' purpose in our life, that he wants to fix the things that we've broken. And ultimately, he wants to rescue people who need to be redeemed. And we all need redemption. And so today we pick up with the next line. Joy to the world, the Lord has come, and today is let earth receive her king. Let earth receive her king. And that's the key word today, it's receive. We're going to talk a lot today about all that we receive But I want you to remember that Christmas fun is not just about getting. It's also about giving and sharing the things that we love. And I want you to see that in a Christmas text this morning that is one of my very favorite Christmas passages of Scripture. In Galatians chapter 4, it's not exactly a traditional Christmas text, but it's a powerful one. So turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians 4. And we're going to look at that this morning. If you have a Bible with you, I encourage you just go to the table of contents. It'll tell you exactly what page Galatians is on because it's only a few pages in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we'll put the words on the screen and I would encourage you go to the Welcome Center in the foyer this morning and get a free copy of the Bible on us for you to study on your own. All right, so here's one of my favorite Christmas texts. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. You see it? You see Christmas in this passage? This passage is all about Christmas and it's about Christ. And what it says here is that in the set time, no, the set time was not December 25th. We don't know the exact actual date of Christ's birth, but what we do know this is that Christ was born, right? It's what we call the incarnation, and the incarnation may not have been December 25th, but what it was was the set time, the fully complete time, the right time, because God has this epic cosmic plan of redemption that he will bring to be, and he initiated that at the exact right moment in human history. And so what we see and understand is that it's not just this season, this season from Thanksgiving to New Year that's about Christ. It's not just this season that's about Jesus. It's really all of human history hinges on the person and work of Jesus Christ. From his birth, his life, his ministry, his miracles, to his death and his resurrection, the life of Jesus has shaped human history. He is the hinge of history and all seasons are about this person, this unique person that was sent by God in the fullness of time. And so in just the right moment in all of history, God the Father sent his son. Now, maybe you've heard Jesus referred to in a specific way before. I think it might sound familiar to your ears. You've probably heard it since childhood. We refer to Jesus as the only begotten son of God, right? Have you heard that before? Jesus, the only begotten son of God. I think it's the only time we ever use begotten to describe Jesus. Is there anyone else that's described as begotten? But here's the point. Jesus is the only begotten son of God, meaning that that Christ is the the natural son of God in a sense. But what you have to understand as you understand Christ in Christmas is this. Jesus was not created. He is the creator. You have the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit living eternally. They don't have a beginning. They will have no end. He's eternally preexistent. Jesus Christ was not created by God because he is God, fully divine. He wasn't created, but he was sent. And so as a part of this cosmic plan for redemption, the way that God did this was to send Jesus, God, the son. And so the sent son of God is himself fully God. Jesus Christ is completely, fully divine. And what we have in that is what Ann Voskamp said in that devotional, God gave God. Because our greatest need is God. And so God gives God, God gives himself, the giver becomes the gift. Why would Christ the creator step into the creation? Because we need God. And so he said, this is how I will send my son. Jesus wasn't created, but he was sent. And this is how he was sent. Galatians 4 says he was born of a woman. What a wildly unique plan that God created to bring himself into the creation. He was born of a woman. And what that tells us is that Jesus the Christ is not just fully divine. He is also fully human. And you think about this, the fullness of God and the fullness of humanity becoming mixed into one person. You go, I don't understand that. Me either. Because he's nothing less than a miracle. He is absolutely miraculous. He is unique in all of human history, fully God and fully man. And yes, Jesus had this unique conception, but he had a normal birth and he had a physical body. And so in Christ, we have the the fullness of infinite God in the finiteness of human flesh. And y'all, that's the one and only Jesus, the son of God, the Christ. And he was born of a woman for a very specific reason. He was sent for a very particular purpose. It was to redeem those who are separated, and that's all of us. We all need redemption. We've all been separated. We've all been broken by the bad news. And so what Galatians 4 tells us is there's bad news and there's good news. This is the way that it shares the bad news. It says this, he was born under the law for those who were under the law. And what that means is that you and I, man, like every other person, we live under the law. You go, that doesn't sound like bad news. Well, let me explain. Whose law? God's law, right? God's the authoritative one. He's the creator. He's the author of the story. He's the one who decides what is right and what is wrong. No one else has that power, that authority, that credibility. And so God, in his goodness, decides what's what is wrong, what is right and wrong, what is good, what is moral, and what is unjust. And then he gives us the law. That still doesn't quite sound like bad news yet, except when you begin to understand that those of us who are born under God's law, we are absolutely incapable of keeping God's law. Unable. Absolutely unable. Just think about this, the Ten Commandments, right? The big ten from the Old Testament. You think about those and you go, I don't think I can keep those. But but maybe, right? And then Jesus ups the ante. He says, maybe the, in, the, in the, the big ten it says, do not commit adultery. And then Jesus says, let me tell you this. Like, just to lust after a woman is to commit adultery in your heart. Well, as soon as I understand Jesus' standard, then I go, if I thought I was capable, now I recognize that I am radically incapable. And that's bad news. Because everyone who's incapable of keeping the law will continue to perpetually be separated from God. We live in our brokenness. And we're unable to fix Ourselves And we begin to feel in that moment how bad the bad news is. But as you feel the weight of the bad news, remember this. But a Redeemer was sent for us in the fullness of time. And that's the good news. God gave God. The giver becomes the gift. Christ was incarnated for us. He came. Why did he come? Look back to Galatians 4, verse 5. He came that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons and daughters, because we are children of God, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. Abba is a different language, and it's just a familiar word that would sound more like the English, Daddy. A loving, affectionate, familiar term for the Father. And so what Galatians 4, 5 tells us is this. Because of Jesus, because of Christmas, because of Easter, because of the cross, the cradle, and the empty grave, man, we receive ridiculously. Christmas is a gift, and we receive amazingly. We receive abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. We receive immeasurably more than we could ever, will ever deserve when we understand what we've received in Christ. In Galatians 4, five and six helps us to better understand all that we have received because God gave himself. You go back to the verse, it says that we might receive adoption to sonship. And I want to draw your attention to that. I want you to understand that this idea of adoption, man, it's about identity. It's about who we are and whose we are. The key word in verse 5 is adoption, and it helps us to understand that. As followers of Christ or Christians or disciples of Jesus, this describes how we relate to God. This describes how we go from brokenness into relationship. This describes how we go from being separated to being in communion. What is the nature of this relationship with God the Father? It's not that we, like Jesus, are the begotten sons and daughters of God. He's the only begotten son, right? So how do we become children of God? How do we get into the family of God? It's through the miracle of the process of adoption. We're not the begotten children of God, we're the adopted sons and daughters of God, but we are permanent members of God's family. Listen to me, this is so powerful and meaningful in my life because I can see it so clearly because I've adopted. I've got three daughters, two begotten, one adopted. And let me tell you what, the one that's adopted is a permanent member of this family, She will not, cannot be taken from us and we will not ever revoke her adoption. She's ours, just like the other two are ours. And she has the rights and privileges to anything and everything that I have because she is mine. You see that? We may not be the begotten children of God, but we are the adopted sons and daughters of God. And that adoption is free to us. And if you know anything about the process of adoption, if you've ever been through it or watched someone go through it, you know that it's a lot of work. But who does the work? Not the child. My child was passively sitting in China, not even knowing that a family was coming for her. We were doing the work. We were meeting the requirements. We were giving all the effort and all the money and all the resources needed to make that happen. She was passively just sitting. It's so similar to how this works. Christ does the work, and we just receive sonship. We become children of God because of the work of Christ, and then that shapes and changes our identity. Y'all, Pastor Tim Keller, one of my favorites The late pastor, Tim Keller, said this. He's one of my favorite theologians, preachers, authors, and he asks this question that helps me understand this so clearly. I hope it's helpful for you too. Here's the question he asks. It's a simple one. Who gets to live in someone else's house? Right, who gets to live in someone else's home? Well, what he goes on to say is that there are actually two kinds of people that get to live in the home of someone else. There's sometimes this relationship where you're living in someone else's home because you are a renter right? You pay rent. You're a boarder. I get to live in your house because we have this contractual agreement that's based on condition. And the condition is really, really simple. If I pay, I get to stay. If I stop paying, I get the boot. You're familiar with the concept, right? If I behave in ways that are consistent with the parameters of the contract, then I get to continue to pay rent so I can continue to stay. But if I make messes or if I break things, then I get the boot. That's this renter relationship with the homeowner. But there's another kind of person that gets to stay in someone else's home. What's that other relationship? Who else gets to stay in someone else's home? Children. I got these three kids that stay in my home, man, and not a single one of them have paid a dime of rent. They just keep staying and they never start paying, right? And they eat all my food and they eat my gummy clusters. And they make messes. My goodness, do they make messes. They make messes all over the place. And yet they just get to keep staying without condition. And catch this. I got three of them. Two begotten, one adopted. And nobody's paying rent. Because that's us, y'all. And we are the adopted children of God. Completely. Children. Forever. Family never-ending residence in his home, brought in through the process of adoption. And because we are adopted sons and daughters of God, we receive ridiculously. Galatians 4, 6, Because, because you are his sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. What I want you to see this morning is that we don't just get changed identity, but because of who we become in Christ as sons and daughters of God, we also get the gift of intimacy. And when you think about the spirit of God, I want you to recognize that like the spirit gives, brings, creates this intimacy between us and God. The spirit himself is God and he dwells within us and he's connecting us endlessly to God, the father. And when I say intimacy, that's what I'm talking about. It's this this connection. It's this relationship, this friendship, this, this relationship that's built on depth. And it's because of the work of God the Son. If God the Son doesn't come as a gift, then we don't get the gift of God the Spirit. But the Spirit does come, and He is our helper, and He's constantly connecting us to God the Father. And because of Him, and his presence in our life, we are constantly connecting to God in ways that we begin to understand truth and we begin to commune with God and we have fellowship with God and we, imperfect people, get to fellowship with the perfect God over all creation, not as some distant God, but in a way that we recognize and see that he is our father. And one of the other things that the Spirit does for us is he seals that relationship with this 100% guarantee that you will always be a child of God. And y'all, that comes with so much peace and security, doesn't it? When we recognize I didn't behave my way into this and I'm not going to behave my way out of this. I can't clean myself up enough to tip the scales where somehow God owes me. Now this is unearned. It is undeserved. It is a gift of grace And he will not take that grace away. And when you learn that, when you believe that, when you live in that, it brings a peace and a security to our hearts that our hearts long for. That can be found in this reality that because of Christ and because of the Spirit, our adoption will never be revoked. It cannot be reversed. God sent both his Son and his Spirit so that we can be sons and daughters of God. And when you look at Galatians 4, and you understand this concept of sonship, I want you to see this, man. This is about our position, right? This describes our position in the family of God. This is our identity. This is who we are because of whose we are. We are in God's family, and that will not change. But that's not all. You receive so much more than just that, and at this point, it feels like I'm doing an infomercial, I'm not. You don't have to make any installments of 1999 to get all of this, right? It's a free gift. And you go back to Galatians chapter 4, back to verse 7, and it says this. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. That's amazing. Let's make sure we understand why and why this is so exciting. We're not just children of God. We are heirs. We will inherit what is God's. In the same way that Christ, his only begotten son, is an heir of all that is the father's. We, as children of God, adopted into the family, forever family, we are heirs, co-heirs with Christ. And if sonship is about position, then being an heir is about privileges and friends. There is so much receiving, so much ridiculous receiving, so many privileges in being children of God. We receive extravagantly. And the reality is that God is so rich. He is so generous, but don't make the mistake of thinking that our inheritance is material and it's earthly things that will perish. Don't make the mistake of thinking that the inheritance is something that is of this world. No, our inheritance is otherworldly. It's not material things, y'all. It's better than that. It's immaterial things. We inherit relationship, friendship, peace, purpose, truth, security, but we don't have to wait till heaven to receive all the good gifts of God. We receive them even now in the temporary, in the earthly. We receive the things that are eternal and forever and heavenly. You don't have to wait for heaven to get the good gifts of God. We inherit those now because of our position in the family of God. And so Christ followed Maybe you've never understood this before. Maybe you've never thought of this before. Christ Father, you are an heir. The question becomes this. As an heir, you have to decide will you hoard or will you share? God's given you all the gifts. Will you hoard? Or will you share? Because, after all, Christmas time fun is about getting, but it's also about giving. And it's especially about sharing the things that we love. Will you share? I saw an awesome example this past week about how exciting it is to share Christ and Christmas with others. And where I saw this awesome example is one of the craziest places, I don't think you would guess, but it was from TikTok. I want you to see this as well. Take a look at this little video. Go on. Guess what I am from the nativity? I'm a classic one. Classic role, is it? Classic part? Yeah. Um, Joseph? No. Uh, uh, one of the three ways men? No. One of the innkeepers? No. <laughs> Press the um button to answer. Call rejected. But it's a classic part? Yeah. Okay. Um you tell me then, cause. I'm door holder number three, I'll be holding doors. That's amazing. Holding doors for who? Um probably um Joseph and Mary. Oh my gosh, were you pleased when they said that? Yeah. And what did you do? And I was like, I'm a door holder, get in there, let's go, yes. Wow. And, and, and maybe, because there's no room, I'll probably be just, there, be like, just coming in and then I'll just slam, in, slam the door in their face. <laughs> Is that your style role? I'll probably, maybe. I'll probably be dressed up as a door. I don't think you're going to be a door. I think you're going to be a door holder. No, I'll have to wear, like, brown. Really? Yeah, Probably. Excellent. That's, wow. Well, that's really smart, Milo. <laughs> Isn't he awesome? His, his accent is awesome, for one thing. But y'all, little six-year-old Milo is so excited about this classic role, right? However small it is, as he gets to share his part in sharing the story of Christmas. Like He's just excited to share. He's eager to share. He's eager to be a part of God's story. When I look at Milo, it helps me to remember this reality that, like, who we are determines what we do, right? Our identity, based on our position, ultimately shapes our actions, and it's not the other way around. It's not that our actions create our identity. It's not that we behave our way into this relationship. It's that God changes our identity. He gives us this relationship freely, and then our actions begin to shape our—I mean, our identity begins to shape our actions. But the way that this moves through our lives is that God changes our identity— And then as that transformation works in our heart, it begins to change our loves and our passions and the things that we care about, the things that we fix our hearts and minds on. And then the changing of our actions flows out of that. God changes our identity and then he changes our passions and then that begins to change our actions. Because as adopted sons and daughters we begin to recognize that our adoption into the family of God man it changes and shapes everything who we are, who we're becoming and what we are doing. And so this Christmas I would encourage you like let's be like Milo, let's get in there. Let's go. Let's be excited to share what we love. Let's recognize that this season is actually the perfect time if we'll just slow down enough to be aware of the opportunities. Let's ask God to make us aware of the people that he's putting in our path that need hope and the rest that only Jesus can bring. Let's ask God to make us aware of our interactions with others and recognize that our interactions with others in this season are so filled with potential and opportunity, right? Family members, we have lots of opportunities with family. Some really difficult family members. We have opportunities to be grace filled towards them. We have opportunities in this season with friends, with coworkers, unique opportunities with coworkers that really look different than other parts of the year. We have opportunities even this time of year with strangers. Ultimately, all of these people are our neighbors. And in this time of year, this busy time of year, God has given us so much opportunity with so many people. So let's be aware of our opportunities, aware of our interactions, but let's also be aware of the power of an invite. In your seat, you will find this little card, maybe under you or beside you. It's a simple invitation to our Christmas Eve Eve stories. And what I know about Christmas Eve Eve is God starts stories here. My guess is there are people in this room that your story started on a Christmas Eve Eve. It's not magic. It's supernatural. It's powerful. And God chooses to use it and to show up and so I want to ask you to use this to invite someone to join us Saturday night as we promised to communicate the gospel in a way that makes sense, invite others to become children of God, to tell them about all of the hope that we have in Jesus and how he is rest for our weary souls. This morning as we close out, I want to lead you in one more prayer time. I want you to search your heart and ask God to show you who it is that you can invite into all of this this week. Let's pray. As you pray this morning, maybe even just holding that invite card. First of all, will you just pray for Christmas Eve Eve and ask God to move and move in power? Will you join me in praying that God would start stories this Saturday and change lives? And now let's get really personal. Would you ask the Lord to put someone on your heart, someone in your path for you to share this invite with? God, help us to never take for granted all that we've received because of the gift of Christ and the spirit. God, help us to never take for granted what it is to say with confidence, I am a child of God. God, thank you for adoption. Thank you for permanently including us in your family. God, our heart's desire and hope is that so many others would join us in your kingdom as children of the King. God, we pray that you would use us, that you would use our services, that you would use this church, that you would use our lives to generously share what you have shared with us. God, we have received ridiculously. And we just want to be conduits of your love, your grace, your peace, your hope, your rest. God, use us this week. God, I pray over my family. And I ask that you would use each of us, helping us to be aware of the opportunity, aware of our interactions and the power to invite. Lord, we love you, we trust you, and we do pray and ask that you would move in ways that only you can and that we get the experience of watching you work. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.